Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our mind. Today is Let's Talk Black Politics with your host, Chelsea Wadigo. Thank you for joining Let's Talk Black Politics. My name is Chelsea Wadigo. I'm a Mananjali and South Seattle woman, and I would like to, on behalf of our panel today, acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land from which we sit and which you're listening in. And as per usual, I'm joined with my guest host, Dr. David Singh. Thanks, Chelsea. Um, and for those who don't know me, uh, I'm a non-Indigenous uh, settler, direct beneficiary of racial violence, and I'll keep repeating that as the episodes progress because it can't be said enough. Thank you for having me again, Chelsea. Now, this week on Black Politics, we kind of flagged it a few times already in the series, but we're talking about refusal, in particular black refusal. And this idea of refusal is something that I've reflected a lot on and informed by uh, the work of Mohawk scholar Audra Simpson, who wrote Mohawk Interruptus, which I recommend you checking out. And she talks about the politics of refusal as an exercising of our sovereignty. Many of us would have seen these acts and not framed it in this particular way, but have seen the acts of black refusal on the sporting field. And so we thought for this show we'd get a form of sporting star. <laughs> I just seen his face. A sporting star who's, who's, you know, as a black fellow, had to had to be on the sporting field, but also has been actively involved in supporting um, and and thinking through other acts of black refusal on the sporting field across uh, you know various sports. So I'd like to introduce you to this week's guest, Ben Abatangelo. Thanks, Chelsea. The face that those listening wouldn't have seen was me sort of minimising myself because I wouldn't reflect as being a prominent athlete, but someone that had spent some time out of school at a young age playing cricket and filling up a lot of water bottles is maybe the best way to reflect on my time as a professional sports person. Ben, thanks for joining us for this yarn. Just for our listeners too and mob around the country, can you tell us about who you mob, where you come from, where you're connected to? Totally. So I'm down here in Nam at the moment, but have been living in Garamilla or on Larrakea land in Darwin for the last few years. My family from Eastern and Central Victoria, so I'm a Gunnaka and I'm Wachabalik man. I use the word man loosely, more so through experience is where I, I get to that determination from. I'm not someone that's been put through law or anything like that. But yeah, my family's through central Victoria and the Wachabalik lines of the Peppers and then connected to the Thorpes out of Gippsland and Tyres. So that's a little bit about me. Solid. Thank you for coming on. Now, when I was put this to you, the conversation about uh, black refusal, can you take us to a moment that comes to mind for you, either for yourself or that you've witnessed um, where you've seen that stance? Totally. I I mean, it, first and foremost, I feel like it's given a language to something that we inherently exercise, both in participation and also walking away. So the politics of refusal as a frame, um, I think, has captured the very essence of what mine and maybe many other people's uh, or blackfellas who have played sport has captured the way in which we participate, but also those moments where we turn our back or pivot or sidestep to walk away. So I think for me, that refusal recently has looked like Ash Barty, um, you know, calling time on her 
tennis career when, you know, pundits and the outsiders looking in would expect her, I think, to play until her body breaks. But I think her analysing and finding a place of solace and contentment and, you know, and maybe recognising that her time in the sport has expired, which is a really hard thing to identify, is maybe a recent case study or example of blackfellas refusing in many ways. So, And that's funny. I would not have thought about that. But in thinking about her quitting, I'm taken back to when she won, oh, what was Wimbledon? Wimbledon. And there, you know, I wrote about black joy, the joy that, but the image I used in the story was her hunched over. Mm. And it took me back to Kathy Freeman, the image of her hunched over. Mm. And that in that moment of, of success and achievement, you also got a sense of the weight that has been bearing down on their bodies, the weight of expectation. Um, totally. That other athletes don't experience um, when you're a black fella in the colony who can be loved and hated at any given time because you can be cast as betraying your country or being an example of your people in the best and the worst of ways celebrated for your achievements as an athlete. So to me, that makes sense to walk because she did it. Totally. And it sort of sets a, I think, a precedent for many athletes that also carry the expectation of having to play to the very end and walk on the line that has been drawn and, um, you know, prescribed for us. So, Ash was a really pertinent example and maybe one out of left field as we start to further understand what refusal is, both in its theory and its function and how we apply it. But I also think of the inherent compromises that we are all faced with in every environment that we are subjected to or that we participate within. And some of the other examples remind me of blackfellas in the NRL that refuse to stand or sing for the national anthem. You know, they refuse to move their lips and to the song of hate, right? Which, um, the start of every game. So to, you can't even necessarily get your mind around performance until perhaps you find a way to navigate those moments of obscene colonialism, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And, you know, rugby league's a brutal game, what it does Mm -hmm. to the body. And yet... At the same time, to make that stance, you know, there's a, a level of violence that's going to be visited upon those black men's bodies and we saw it play out and all the, the ways in which Latrell gets treated, um, players not getting selected for a present, to represent New South Wales after that. Um, there's a consequence to refusal. People think of the walking away refusal as, as quitting, but it's courage. Mm. Um, it takes a real courage and I remember... My second eldest child, this was a few years ago now, they'd always come with me to rallies and it was a death in custody rally on an evening, like a, a nighttime vigil. And a week later at school, they decided to not stand for the anthem. They just mm. made that decision. And they were escorted out of assembly. They had teachers then um, chastise them in classes after that. Um, and they ended up walking out of the school grounds because they just had enough of being picked on in that moment. Mm. And they took the stance because of what they had witnessed about the world, not because mum told them, but because they couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and they sent the school-based police officer around to our home to, to you know, round up wow. the native child. And, mm. you know, there is a... Um, There is a consequence to refusal, punishment, you know. Yeah, and it's also framed as combustion when it's actually 
a point of precise clarity. Like I feel as though that we rarely, rarely, rarely throw the toys out of the cot and walk away and say, you know, this is too hard or I've just had enough. I think we get to a point of absolute clarity before we decide to take that step um, away from whatever it is that we're being subjected to. And in that moment for your kids, yeah. um, you know, being asked to stand and shout the national anthem at a school assembly. So, yeah, that's certainly something that when you talk about the consequence, Chelsea, that it often is in that framing post the event and done so in a way to minimise that stance of refusal, to minimise that absolute clarity, um, to obfuscate, to maintain, uh, you know, a status quo. Yeah. Demonise black minds. Um, in the employment space, you know, the, you know, everyone has their Indigenous employment strategy and there's always this pathologising of Indigenous peoples around recruitment and retention mm. um, and that the, you know, inability to re- retain Indigenous employees is, is black lack. Um, black fellas leaving jobs that are uh, companies that are violent is a sign of black power, of mm. will, of the protecting of the black body from unsafe work environments. And it always makes me wild. It doesn't matter what meeting it is and what organisation or institution or what rap committee mm. meeting, um, you will always see black fellas cast as the problem of why don't they stay or that we just can't hack it. Mm that were not strong enough and we saw that discourse attached to Adam Goods of not being able to withstand it mm. um, and I saw it as a stance of, of a, a, a proud Aboriginal man who knew that he was worth more than that game had to offer totally. he loved himself more than the game ever loved him back yeah yeah and it's something that leading into this Charles and Haredi Lumumba posted on Instagram only a few days ago, but it's our refusal and participation, knowing that those lines that have been prescribed for us are very thin and very narrow. And the expectation is, is that we minimize ourselves and conform to, um, you know, to conform and walk those very tight lines. So the refusal for Adam and for people like Haridia Lamumba is that in their performance and their creative expression, they've taken up more space than people want them to or expect them to. So, yeah, leading into today, I, I feel as though that that's also, um, you know, the refusal and participation and making sure that it's done on individuals' terms um, and come from, yeah, a place of, um, you know, a place of self-determination or exercising of, you know, of sovereignty, um, you know, in Goodsy's case. So... That's something that I also think is really pertinent to these conversations when we do talk about, you know, the refusal in sport. Absolutely. I mean, um, Heredia, like, he refused while in the game still. When he Mm. was on the AFL footy show um, and spoke out against Eddie there, um, he refused to go along with the jokes with the boys club while Mm. still being in there. Mm. So refusal can be exercised in all kinds of ways while we're still in those violent institutions. Mm. To be complicit mm. in violence, yeah, to co-sign it. Totally, um, it's a it's a, it's a perfect sort of segue to a story that I have in sport, and uh, I always prefer to speak from a place of experience rather than analysing others. Although that's where I started um, with some prominent athletes, but you know, the talking about co-signing behaviour. My sport was cricket. And 
of all the games, <laughs> of all of the games, uh, that is what I decided to devote my time to. And it is, if there is a scale of whitewash sports in this country, I'd say that, you know, cricket is first, second and potentially third. But it reminds me of, you know, a moment I relocated to Sydney um, in 2017. I, a couple of years earlier, um, I was a rookie contracted player. I'd relocated for Sydney for work and uh, was looking to play at a new club. That club that I decided to play at was Randwick Cricket, Cricket Club. It was a semi-professional competition. And it was a time when David Warner had been banned um, from the whole sandpaper cheating scandal when him, Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft, who was a youngster um, over in South Africa, got caught cheating. Um, so David had been banned for 12 months and from international and professional cricket, but he was enabled to play local cricket. So I decided to play and agree to play for Randwick. And um, after turning down a bunch of money to play from them and actually asking them to redirect it to scholarships for kids out of La Perouse, uh, I joined the group chat in a WhatsApp thread. And the first message that I saw on there was, um, and it was three days out from David Warner returning. And I think they were playing over in England. Um, and it might have been a World Cup or it might have been a pretty significant series. But the first messages that I saw when I jumped onto that group chat were teammates encouraging him to go out against England and call Jofra Archer, who's a Trinidadian uh, Englishman, the N-word. And they were the first messages that I saw um, upon joining that club and joining that group chat. And not only was the encouragement for him to go out and... What year was this again? This is sorry, this is September 2019. Yeah, it's recent. Recent, yeah. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah. So, but not only was there the, 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 the encouragement to go and commit an act of racial violence on an international stage, but it was also the humour that followed it and the laughing and the pile on um, from many others that were in, you know, that there's 25 people in that group chat. Much like and the it, cops, cops in Northern Territory, eh? Totally, totally. But it was, you know, those are the moments where, you know, blackfellas in not just in the sporting change rooms or in the workplace, in almost every environment that we walk into, those are the junctures that we frequently face. And the silence cosigns the behaviour, but the refusal to call it out also ensures that you're ostracised from the outset. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of a, a moment that I reflect on. On top of that, there was no way that I was going to let it slide and was going to um, introduce myself memorably. No one was going to forget who I was in that moment. But it just reminds me of, you know, those frequent junctures that we're faced with yeah, in the change rooms, on the fields, you know, in all of these different facets of, of life. And the thing that I would say after that is the excuses from people upon me seeking further clarification and was that, you know, boys will be boys. It's a safe environment. It's just mates joking amongst mates. Um, you need to toughen up. Your skin needs to become thicker. If you're going to get along with us here, then, um, you know, exactly that you need to, you need to have tougher skin. Um, so they're the, yeah, they're the junctures that I no longer 
deal with um, because not only when those frequent junctures take place, you, all, you also then start to see the other machinery, um, you know, close ranks and ensure that uh, those examples are minimised, that the game or the club or the institution isn't bought into disrepute and that you are minimised, isolated and um, contained. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a, and you're not just refusing the act, right? You're refusing mm. the structure, and the the backlash that f- then follows is extraordinary and fierce. And yet, black fellows, people of color, are not cowed; they continue to refuse. Mm. What kind of courage is that, right? Mm. Yeah, it's a it is, and I think at that time, David, I I kind of took a lot of these institutions and people around me. Um, you know, tried to always engage in good faith and believed as well, which is the other thing that maybe made those moments hurt a little bit more that folks that have said to stand behind you are very quickly to, um, to go missing and, um, you know, to further isolate you, to, to further make you feel ostracized, to further, um, you know, gaslight you into this sort of state of oblivion where, um, you st- you at times start to think, oh my gosh, am I being irrational? Yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, it, and because refusal is is an internal process first and foremost, a refusal to accept the so called logics or the, the lies that which those logics are based about who we are and about who they are, and it, and it is what you're saying that moment of clarity mm. where you no longer believe the story they run, but also no longer believe that you deserve less than. Mm. I remember Dean Witters um, speaking about when he, you know, called out racism and he said, some people have said I overreacted to the situation and what is said on the field in the heat of the moment should stay on the field. I reject this because there is no situation where we should accept racial amplification. Mm. Uh, my anger and hurt would be the same no matter what the circumstance. Mm. Um, what, what struck me about um, Netball Australia... Uh, who's not known for being all that inclusive uh, mm-hmm. for Aboriginal women, but the way in which when Danella uh, made her stance, um, that her teammates stood in solidarity with her. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen too much of that, of, of settlers standing in solidarity with blackfellas who are mm. refusing to accept the racial violence visited upon us. Mm. Um, and that was really uh, shocking. Like, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, and what gave me even and all of us more joy was when she won the game. <laughs> totally. Know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was yeah. like it was like refusal and winning and the joy of that and the that post-match interview toll that it took on her. Um, mm. You know, refusal isn't a stance of weakness but strength, but it mm. requires so much more of black bodies and black minds to have to withstand. It also makes me think of um, uh, Amy, of course, in relation to the Hawthorne um, uh, AFL in investigations and in inverted commas, um, which is how I came to... Um, no, you bend through, um, you know, supporting and working with Amy. Mm. But the way in which um, she has been cast in having refused to participate in the mm. AML's investigation on their terms, which we know are explicitly mm. violent. Yeah, it's a, 
I mean, on the netball stuff as well, Chelsea, it's, um, yes, we're not used to people standing in solidarity. And if they do, it's normally conditional. So I think that was mm. what was striking with the netballer standing alongside Danelle Wallum was that it did seem to be unconditional. Um, and with no real strings attached, at least from the outside looking in. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, it's our families as well, clearly that bear a lot of the burden of the violence that athletes are subjected to in these institutions and environments where we believe that we're safe and that we can be free and that we can creatively self-express and self-actualize, um, you know, without fear or favor. But to watch Amy, yeah, carry the toll of just dystopic behavior that is cast upon her and, you know, then find that the fortitude, I'm not even sure if the English language has the right words to describe what she's found to stand really tall and to oppose not only what was done to her, but also the mechanisms and inquiries and investigations that, um, you know, are designed to protect the AFL and these institutions of their wrongdoing. Um, watching, you know, the media close ranks, watching, um, the clubs create proximity or distance between themselves and responsibility, just watching that machinery so organically and authentically just move as it needs to is the other really stark thing is that it's not a, it's not a rigid sort of response from these institutions and these powerful individuals, but it's a really coordinated, organic, seamless movement, um, which makes it, yeah, all the more, I guess, confronting, um, knowing that it, it, it's a tried, tested, repeatable and reliable model. I guess what, um, what I guess that breaks my heart but makes me wild is the blackfellas that are prepared to be a part of that machinery. Mm. That would what, rather win the acceptance of whitefellas than mm. fight for blackfellas. Mm. Um, and I understand that mm. people are at different stages in their journey in that realisation of the realities of this place. But that betrayal of blackfellas demonising you for taking that stance. And I had that, you know, I, I left a tenured academic position and walked from a race discrimination case. And there were any number of black people who chose to um, you know, accuse me of vexatious litigation, who chose to frame me in all kinds of ways and, and, and tell lies about me, but I got paid out. When I didn't, I didn't get a cent. Mm. You're deserving of it as, yeah, as well. That's the other thing I don't understand. And, and if you want somebody, to... Yeah, like I, I brought yeah, it up Yeah, if myself. you want to. Yeah. Um, mm. And, you know, and it's, it's hard to watch because in this time, these, these are the same people that may, you know, come out for Indigenous round or attach themselves to reconciliation action plan or say they're against racism but when it came to the crunch mm. we're not courageous enough to stand in solidarity mm. even if you don't share that position if even if you're too frightened mm. to take that stance don't come for those mm. who are you know why we want to talk about black politics and and the concept of refusal as mm. a strategy is that this works when we work together in unison when we hold the mm. front line together mm. And the real betrayer mm. is those that betray the stance blackfellas make in order to find favour with white mm. institutions who they know, mm. they know to be mm. right. We look at track records. Mm. Um, and I think that's been the most um, I think disappointing thing for me um, is that um, 
you know, those who know um, about the Hawthorne um, investigation and, and people were horrified when those reports came out, um, what the pain and trauma those families went through. And to know that in this time right now, we have an Aboriginal woman who is refusing to be placed back into that violent relationship with the mm. club and with the AFL and yet has been demonised mm. for protecting herself and her family. Yeah, where it objectively it is insane to expect anyone to subject themselves to more of the same violence that has been thrusted upon them i mean refusal is yeah i mean for amy's case and many others is the most rational sound conclusion and to come to um it is and and i think as well Chelsea and David, interested to hear your perspective as well, but the f things open up the more that you decide to step away. Um, I, I used to believe that in concepts of integration and that there was compatibility and that there was this nirvana harmony that can be found. And the only way that that can be defined first and foremost and then found I think is in those moments of refusal and stepping away and it just could not be clearer and you know to go back to one of your previous um or to one of your previous episodes and just sister Ruby Wharton like read the play <laughs> it's in front of us read the play <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean for me for me refusal is, is is one of the kind of purest expressions of black agency right uh, when you're, you're encumbered by a structure everywhere you turn that kind of betokens white supremacy, refusal is mm. an extraordinary act. Mm. And quite how people aren't unanimously applauding is, is beyond me, right? Mm. It's also one of the purest, uh, you know, human expressions that there are, right? To say no. And in a place where blackfellas are continually denigrated and seen less than human, Blackfellas are holding themselves to a higher standard, both for mm. themselves and for their communities. Mm. And who, who then occupies those cherished kind of fields of moral rectitude? Mm. Not whitefellas, blackfellas, each and every mm. time. Yeah, I love that as well. The, cause that's where I think the a huge difference is, is that there's people that see themselves accountable and responsible to their contract and their organization when first and foremost we find ourselves accountable and obliged and binded to our community and often the desires of those two groups are entirely different and entirely incompatible um so that's something that yeah, I think is really interesting that you reflect upon there, Dave. Absolutely. And I don't think I don't think we talk enough about refusal. Certainly in the academy, there is not a, a sense of um, uh, really honouring black refusal. Mm. We are simply um, subjects in need of being saved and gaps <laughs> closed. And um, you know, refusal is not necessarily those acts on sporting fields with uh, a big crowd. Mm. They're in the everyday. And I think about Ronnie Gorry's book, Black and Blue. Yeah. And what she dealt with in the police, and uh, I think she was, I think it was during Palm Island, and being encouraged to leave, and she turned up to work and just put the little Aboriginal flag on on her desk. Mm. Mm. Um, I remember during that time, Matthew, when they were all wearing the um, 
blue armbands in support of Hurley. He got a black armband and wore it each day as his act of refusal to remind them that a black man died. And so refusal can be found in all kinds of places that blackfellas aren't acting that. And I don't think we celebrate the power of that, the joy of that. Mm. You know, the joy that those moments when blackfellas remember who the F we are and whose land we're on and that we're not going to accept less than. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and in the context of all the concessions we make on any given day, there are going to be these moments where we say, not today. Yeah. Not today, settler. Not ever. Not ever. <laughs> and, and and I think we need to do more to recognise those acts, those feats. Um, mm. It's not just on the sporting field. It's in uh, schools across the country of black mothers turning up to school saying no. Mm. or the kids on assembly um, or the uh, the co-worker in the tea room who says, not, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think gets missed is the, the beauty and the power of black resistance everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's, it's great to, I mean, having these very public um, moments of exercising or refusal um, helps us to then appreciate oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it brings a, like I said before this interview, Chelsea, I think it's given, um, you know, a frame to the everyday behaviours that, you know, maybe over time I haven't necessarily uh, been able to quite pin down. Um, It's given me, you know, by bringing this front and centre and and giving it a name and giving it some some meat and definition has kind of clarified um you know the practical components of existence right um so i find it really helpful and i totally agree that i think it's incumbent on all of us to um to not just normalize and center those moments of resistance but to when it does happen around us to file in and behind in solidarity and you know to celebrate to breathe more air and life into it because those reactive and proactive responses of refusal throughout history that has led to the greatest of our gains and um yeah it's certainly something that yeah that that i think we need to give some color and some life to thank you so much for sharing that with us Oh, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, these are the best. No more whispering in our mind. Let's talk Monday to Friday at 9 a.m. on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service, and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.